0: The Death of Superman is not what we're here to discuss today, guys. You see, kiddies, The Death of Superman is a story that was published in Superman, volume 1, number 149. That's The Death of Superman. If you want to read The Death of Superman, that's where you can find it. What I want to talk about today is a Superman story entitled Doomsday. Now, I don't give a flying fuck up a running squirrel's ass what your little trade paperback says. The comics that I paid money for all say Doomsday. That's the name of the fucking story. And I'm already starting this episode off with a little bit of a rant, so let's try again. Hello, and welcome back to Trenis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks, I'm your host, Magnus, and I'm actually in a much better mood than you might think if you'd listened to that first little bit that I just did, but let's not get lost in the weeds too early on here. Basically, what I want to do is talk about the Superman story entitled Doomsday, and the reason for that is because we've just passed the 25th anniversary of the release of Superman, Volume 2, Number 75, which is when... Well, Cal El got turned into Cal Cam. (laughs) Ho ho ho. Actually, I I can't really claim credit for that joke. That's actually from Wizard magazine, and I shit you not. It's been bouncing around in my head for twenty-five years. Anyway. Doomsday. Doomsday is one of those stories that's basically regarded as one of the watershed moments in all of comic book history, right? This is one of, in fact, a lot of people believe this is the biggest that comic books ever got. And whether or not that's true, well, who can say? But one of the things that has that definitely came out of that whole death of Superman hoopla, I think for a lot of fans, and I'm using fans kind of in a little bit of a loose sense here, one of the things that came out of this whole doomsday hoopla was that there was a lot of confusion, put it that way, because if you read Doomsday, Funeral for a Friend, and Reign of the Superman, knowing nothing whatsoever about the Burn Age Superman and the stuff that had happened before those comics were published, I dare not exaggerate in saying you'd be pretty freaking lost. But even then, here again, I'm getting kind of ahead of myself. So, I'm going to try being a little bit more organized here. Uh, basically, and I think I talked about this in the episode that I did about Doomsday, but basically the first time that I can remember hearing about uh, the fact that Superman was gonna die... it Guys, it's not really an exaggeration. This really was national news which, as a good little 11-year-old, I paid absolutely no attention to, so it somehow went right by me. Until one fateful day, I want to say it was like August or September of 1992, is something like that. Basically, I found out about it in a magazine ad. Is, or not a, a magazine ad, it was a magazine story. Somebody did a story about it, and the way it goes in my memory, could be wrong, But the way it goes in my memory, it was an issue of People Weekly. And it was basically the, you know, biff, pow, bam type of uh, introductory paragraph where somebody has... It's like, I don't know what it is about baby boomers that they always think they need to remind you that they are baby boomers. But if you ever want to prove to me that you're either a baby boomer or a really fucking unoriginal Gen Xer or millennial, why don't you start your little column about... Uh, comics, start that off with Biff, Bam, Pow, you know, because that's, I mean, e- no matter how you look at it, that that's pretty much a dead giveaway of total douchebaggery, but it, there is a little bit of a generational influence there, where I think Gen Xers, and definitely Millennials, they tend to kind of use that in uh, kind of ironic sorts of ways, if they use it at all, which is 50-50, whereas, like, boomers, they all seem to think that's like relevant fucking commentary, you know I remember when that was on TV and you don't because you're too young and aren't we so, anyway fucking hate boomers, but you know, I'm doing a lot of ranting in this episode and like the thing is, I'm not even, it's not like I'm in a bad mood, I'm nothing really bad happened today was actually pretty, pretty good, I mean got uh, all or most of my work done, you know, we're building up to Thanksgiving and You know some really neat shits going on, so I don't know why I keep ranting here. But anyway, found out about it. This is the point. I found out about this whole doomsday storyline, and and again, the way it goes in my memory, and I could be wrong because it's been 25 fucking years. But the way it goes in my memory, it was an issue of People Weekly, and I, you know, I got called over to the table. Hey, isn't this weird? Look at this. Hey, they're gonna kill Superman. Now, guys. In many ways, I was a pretty stupid kid. I don't mind uh, admitting to that. I mean, if you think I'm bad now, you should have seen me when I was a kid. I was fucking retarded when I was a kid. I mean, I was stupid. Right? But it never really crossed my mind that Superman was going to die in the sense that DC was going to kill him off and then they would leave him dead and never do anything with the character ever again okay might have been born at night wasn't last night you know so anyway but notwithstanding the fact that i you know call it uh, cynicism or maybe i was just a tiny bit jaded even as an 11 year old never crossed my mind that this was going to be a permanent condition but I guess over and above all that was, why would you want to kill Superman? Because, again, I'm, you know, I was, a, I was kind of a stupid kid, you know? I mean, that's just, that's who I was. And I just didn't really understand, you know, like, what could possibly be gained? You know? When you come out the other side of this story, what will you have gained? And I do think that's actually kind of a relevant question, but... In any case, I ended up getting swept up in the whole uh, doomsday hoopla, the same as the rest of the country did. And one of the things that really pissed me off about the doomsday story was it made collecting Superman comics, which most people would readily admit that Superman comics are the easiest comics that you can possibly find. You know, like like as far as collecting goes, it's hard to get much easier than Superman. I mean, you know, you can go into any LCS, or at least back in the 90s, you could go into any bookstore. You know, and I mean like bookstores for normies, right? Like Walden Books and places like that. Gas stations and whatnot. You could get Superman comics anywhere. Anywhere. Except during... Doomsday Funeral for a Friend and Reign of the Superman. And all of a sudden, people realized how much they always loved Superman. And man, they just want to start collecting these comics. Again. It was fucking irritating. So, here I was, you know, the com- the committed Superman collector. I mean, I was, as- I was about as committed as an 11-year-old really can be. Because let's face it, you're 11 years old. You don't have a job. You don't have a car. You have no real easy access to comics, you know, just getting them whenever you want, you know, and so, you, you know, it's not like I was able to, to, to buy every single Superman comic that came out, but I bought every one that I could find and could pay for, you know, and so, you know, no, my run was, it was by no means, uh, constant, you know, but nevertheless, uh, I I think I did pretty good for myself, you know? Maybe that's the best way of putting it. I made a good accounting of myself of when it comes to uh, collecting Superman comics in those pre-Doomsday days. And all of a sudden, it's like Superman comics are fucking impossible to find, you know? And it just kind of, then as now, it actually kind of pisses me off when these Johnny-come-latelys make it impossible for me to do the thing that I've been doing, faithfully and consistently, for all these years, and anyway, it just I don't know, the, these fucking outsiders, right? So anyway, so it was pretty tough to to, to find all of the issues of uh, Doomsday. and eventually, of course I did. but you know at least in the, you know in the moment, you know I could I think I only managed to buy like when they were new on the shelves. I think I only really managed to buy like three or four of them. And so, what I ended up having to do was buy the uh, the trade paperback, which is not titled Doomsday, but the trade paperback, which collects the storyline known as Doomsday, and that was that. That was basically how I was able to piece everything together. And I mean, let's be realistic; you don't really need to read. And, I, and I'm I'm looking at this strictly from the standpoint of narrative storytelling and the, and the way that, you know, the plot unfolds and all this stuff, you don't really need to read every single issue of Doomsday. Basically, I think as long as you end with Superman number 75, you can basically read any of them, and to some degree or another, maybe even in any order you want, although even that's not completely true, but you get the idea. You know, really, the the, the centerpiece of the thing is Superman number 75, but I will say though, that, you know, like the the company line that DC has taken about Doomsday, literally since day one, is that, you know, this whole the whole media circus that this thing became, the national news items, the, you know, the interviews on like entertainment tonight and shit like that that Dan Jurgens and Louise Simonson and all those guys were doing. None of that stuff was planned. You know, they never knew that any of that stuff was gonna happen. You know, all they wanted to do was tell a story. That's the company line and you know on the one hand i mean guys it's been 25 years if they were lying about it odds are they would have fessed up by now so i want to give them i, w- I want to give them credit you know if they were lying they would have admitted it or else they would or if anything they probably just never would have lied in the first place cuz that's kind of a stupid ass thing to lie about you know so i want to I-, I want to believe them whenever they say that None of this was planned. We had no idea that people were, were going to react the way that the way that they did, and blah, 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 blah. You know, wanna believe them. But if you look at the way that Doomsday was unveiled, you know, just kind of piecemeal throughout that storyline, you know, he starts off in Man of Steel, number 18, and He's in that full body green looking containment suit with the red goggles and all that fun stuff. And then slowly but surely, you know, the full doomsday monster gets bit by bit unveiled a little bit more at a time, you know. And what that does is it builds a lot of anticipation. Like, who is this guy? You know, what's his story? What's he all about? You know, what does he look like? You know, and all of that, because we all knew going into this thing, this is a guy that's going to kill Superman, you know? So the natural questions to ask are, who can kill Superman? You know, who is this person? What what does he look like? What's his history? Where does he come from? Why does he want to kill Superman? You know, so on and so on and so on. And so, you know, the way that he was unveiled, it was done in a way that, you, that basically tantalizes the, at least, you know, my inner 11-year-old, even to this day, you know, the way that his, the the doomsday outfit just slowly gets shredded up over the course of the story. It's just so well done. I mean, I like I say, I want to believe the creative team whenever they say that, you know, we didn't plan this, but the way that it was done, oh my God, it was just exquisite, you know? So that's a good word, isn't it? Exquisite. So anyway, and so, you know, you had that going on. But like I say, finding those issues was, it was a monumental pain in the neck. Now, again, a lot of you may be laughing about this because you're thinking about this from the standpoint of uh, 2017, you know, whenever you can just, if all else fails, if literally nothing else works out for you, well, there's always Michael Bailey's old friend Tor, right? Well, guys, this is 1992, okay? Tor, nobody had even thought about that yet, you know? And so pretty much the only way to find your stuff is to go to your LCS or to a bookstore or something like that and find it there, you know? And it was, in a weird kind of way, I'd almost want to compare Doomsday to sort of like something like a Beatlemania, where it's one of those things where... You really did have to be there. I mean, every Boomer in the world is in a huge rush to Boomer. Explain to you how important the Beatles were, and how you'll never really understand unless you lived through it. You know, of course, they said to people that that were older than they were, who were listen, li, who were uh, living through Beatlemania, that they were they were too old to understand, and you have to be young in order to really get it. So basically, what it comes down to is you got to be a goddamn Boomer in order to understand. I don't know why I'm so mad at boomers today. Anyway, so back to doomsday. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this was one of those things that I kind of, I kind of do believe. You know, you really did have to be there in order to, uh, in, in order to understand, just like the feverish anticipation that that greeted this storyline. You know, you had. These, uh, these people in, in comic book stores, before the books even freaking came out, you know, people in comic book stores were like spitballing ideas, you know, how might this happen? Because at the time, all anybody knew for sure is that, number one, Superman was going to die, and number two, some big scary-looking monster silhouette-looking thing was going to have something to do with it. And that's really about as much as anybody knew. And so, oh my god, like the speculation that people used to have, you know. Uh, you know, people would just have these massive bull sessions in the LCS. I remember, you know, sitting there and listening to this stuff. And some of like just like the really fanciful ideas that people were coming up with. I mean, like I say, I not only was I uh a kid, I was a stupid kid, you know, back then. But you know, I was listening to that to some of the stuff that people were coming up with, and even my bullshit detector was get was going off the scale here. You know, like like, dude, I don't know where you're getting these wackadoo theories of yours, but <laughs> settle down, you know. So anyway, <sighs> but somehow, against all odds, the story didn't really disappoint, and I think a lot of that comes down to Dan Jurgens, you know. I'm not taking anything away from anyone else who was involved with Doomsday as a storyline, because that is what the storyline is called. It's called Doomsday, and I'm not taking anything away from anyone else that was involved with the storyline entitled Doomsday, but Superman number 75, it has this really tug-at-the-heartstrings sort of narration that happens at the very end of, uh, uh, of the issue, and honestly i think that if it was anything other than than superman i think most people you know cuz there are just so many cynical sad bastards out there i don't think you could you you could write such flowery prose about just anybody i mean honestly superman And John F. Kennedy. I mean, that's pretty much, those are pretty much the two people that you can get away with writing that way about. If it's anyone else, I'm sorry, people just aren't gonna take it all that seriously. They're just not, you know? So, anyway, and that's, to me, that's really like the real linchpin of the story, you know? And like the last couple of pages of Superman number 75. And that's when the emotional and dramatic heft, a funeral for a friend starts getting worked and it is weird to think that you know doomsday as a story it's got a fairly powerful and emotional sort of climax to it but when you come right down to it i mean it's a pretty easy story to synopsize superman and doomsday fight next issue superman and doomsday fight next issue superman and doomsday i mean do you you sense a pattern here yet and then in Superman number seventy-five, Superman and Doomsday fight to the death. That's what happens, you know. And so, for as simple as it is, I mean, I think, I think a lot of normies who read who, who read Doomsday for like, uh, as like total outsiders to comics, right? Normies, you understand? They read, they read Doomsday, and assuming they stuck around, and you kind of got to figure that. Some of them probably did, but assuming that they stuck around for funeral for a friend, I kind of have to wonder. You know, you go from a really simple, some would even say simplistic type of story like Doomsday, when, and then from there you go into funeral for a friend, which has like real emotion to it. You know, those are like real emotions. That that's real drama, and I can't help but think that. That had to take a lot of people by surprise, you know. I honestly don't remember a whole lot of people back then saying that, you know, I'd never really read comics before, but man, Funeral for a Friend, which is, by the way, that's the name of that story. I know that the trade paperback has a different title, but the comics I paid money for all said Funeral for a Friend on them. But man, Funeral for a Friend, that that really hit home for me in a big bad way, you know. I just, I never heard any, I mean, again, logically, I kind of have to assume that probably did happen, but I haven't really heard anybody really admit to that, you know? Certainly no one was saying it back then. So, I don't know. And the really weird thing about Funeral for a Friend is that there's not really a central hero to it. And in a lot of ways, there's really not a central villain to it either, you know? It's basically just people living their lives, you know? There's nothing that's really being, uh, imperiled. There's nothing at stake. You know, there's not a, there's not a quest that anybody has to go on. There's not a, uh, there are no rescues really that need to be made for the most part. You know, it's just people living, you know? And I mean, when you think about how simple doomsday was and then how emotionally complex and subtle funeral for a friend was, I mean that, like I say, no, I've never heard anybody say so, but that really had to catch a lot of people off guard, you know. So, who knows? <sighs> now, after the publication of Superman number seventy-seven, which is to say the conclusion of "Funeral for a Friend" as a story, I want to say that Superman comics basically went on hi- uh, hiatus for something like two months or something like that, you know. And just think about that. I mean, that's huge. You know, how many, like, at least back then, I, it happens now all the time, you know, comics will, shit, comics are sometimes as much as two months late. But uh, basically put the brakes on an entire line of comics, just to sell the illusion that Superman is dead. You know, I mean, guys, that's balls. And one of the things that the... I don't know about necessarily, like, the rest of the creative team, but one of the things I've heard Jerry Ordway say on a couple of occasions was that, look, we weren't expecting Doomsday to be as big as it was. You know, funeral for a friend, that played out more or less the way we thought it would. But when it came time to bring Superman back, what we realized is the story, the original story that we wanted to tell... it it just does not do justice to the event that doomsday became and so basically what they did was they went back to the drawing board and they basically reconceptualized reign of the superman and i mean from the ground up and they basically threw in all of these twists and turns and all and, and basically the story reign of the superman as a story it depends upon the reader having a knowledge of continuity that pretty much goes all the way back to Man of Steel number 1 by John Byrne. I mean, you pretty much need to have a pretty solid working understanding of Superman comics since 1986. And that's pretty fucking big. I mean, again, that's that's a very brave decision to make, you know, because you kind of got to figure that anyone who was attracted to the Superman titles as a direct result of Doomsday... Ten to one, they're probably not all that familiar with anything uh, to do with Superman uh, beginning in 1986 and going forward. And they're very unlikely to know very much of anything that happened after John Byrne left. And so to tell a story that depends upon Hank Henshaw in Mongol in War World and The Eradicator and uh, uh, basically all of this weird shit that... You wouldn't necessarily know as a rookie uh, to, to Superman comics. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a brave decision. And that even kind of bit me a little bit because, like I said a little while ago, my collecting of Superman was necessarily very haphazard. I was able to buy the issues that I was able to buy, but in no sense does that translate to being able to buy everything. And so there were a lot of things that happened with uh, uh, Reign of the Superman. There were things that, that were revealed that I didn't completely understand. I mean, I kind of had some idea of who Mongol was. And I had a pretty decent idea of, of uh, what War World is all about. Because Panic in the Sky hadn't been that much earlier. But, you know, goings-on with Hank Henshaw... Guys, I'd missed those issues. I had no idea. You know, um, let me think. Goings on with the Eradicator, I didn't immediately connect the Eradicator to the Krypton Man because, again, I'd missed a lot of issues, you know? And, you know, so on and so on and so on. You know, there were a lot of things about that story. I mean, I, I, I will say that I had a pretty decent idea of what the Cadmus Project was all about, so, like, that part of the story made sense to me. That That added up. But there were a lot of other things that I just did not know, you know? And one of the things that I really cherish about Doomsday, Funeral for a Friend, and Reign of the Superman, sort of as like a trilogy of stories, is that basically Doomsday, like I said a while ago, is bas- it's pretty much one big action scene, and that's it, you know? All of the character development and uh, drama and all that, uh, all that stuff, all or most of that is tied up in Funeral for a Friend. I mean, you get a little bit in Reign of the Superman, but for the most part, a lot of that stuff is is happening in Funeral for a Friend. And then when you get into Reign of the Superman, that is just plot, 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 and it it just never lets up, you know. And, you know, reading those because I was able to get all or most of reign of the superman as those as, as those comics were coming out because comic book bu- stores were starting to order superman in higher numbers uh, basically to meet the demand and so it, you know between that and subscriptions to some of the superman comics that I did have it was a lot easier to 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 follow those stories right so you know it's just it's it's again it's just it's one of those things where If you weren't there, I don't think you'll ever really understand, you know? And so, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm going to be remembered as a pretentious jerk by somebody in 25 years for saying that. But, you know, who's to say? So, I don't know. All I know is this is one of those things that... It definitely is a seminal moment for a lot of comic book collectors. And that just about leads into the aftermath of Doomsday as an event... And one of the things that I think is kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, it's also kind of undeniable, Doomsday has come, uh, and I mean the story Doomsday, <clears throat> Doomsday has basically come to define Superman in ways that I just don't think are appropriate, y'all. I really don't. I mean, take a look at great Batman stories. Yeah, a lot of people love the killing joke, but the killing joke doesn't really define Batman. Um, Yeah, a lot of people love The Dark Knight Returns, but The Dark Knight Returns doesn't really define Batman. Or, yeah, you got Batman Year One. That is considered by a lot of people to be a great story. Doesn't define Batman. Hush. Great story. Doesn't define Batman. Just on and on and on. Right? Um, The Long Halloween doesn't define Batman. You know, Batman has a lot of stories that a lot of people love, but nobody would say this is the definitive Batman story. I mean. Or if anybody's out there saying it, I'm not aware of it, you know? Batman has a lot of great stories, but he's not defined by any single one of them, you know? But to a lot of people, Doomsday is basically Superman's apex. You know, this is his zenith. This is where Superman peaked. You know, this was basically the only other interesting thing Superman ever did besides existing, you know? And that kind of bothers me, you know? And I'm not trying to sound like that one dipshit on YouTube that Michael Bailey hates, who did that uh, video about how, the, about how Doomsday uh, basically destroyed Superman. I'm not going to go that far, but I will say that Doomsday kind of ruined Superman for certain people, that it's like they think he can't be anything else. It's, he, he can be this, only this, and nothing else, you know? And that, that kind of bothers me. The other thing that kind of bothers me, and this is where headcanon trademark Emily Middleton comes in a little bit, where you look at the aftermath of Reign of the Supermen, and some of that stuff is all right, I'll be the first to admit, but like, if you look at it, basically anything that was happening in, I would say, 1993, 1994 for sure, maybe even going into 1995, Th- th- that particular just brief stretch of time not bad you know there were some really good stories that got told during that time but when you start getting too far beyond that into somewhat in 97 98 99 and just going forward from there superman was all over the map you know and some of the stories that were that were coming out i mean michael bailey describes that that era of Superman as his personal Vietnam as a Superman fan. And I can kind of understand where he's coming from, you know? There was a... not just a commercial zenith that Superman hit in 1993. I, there was almost like there was a creative zenith that the Burn Age Superman hit in 1993. And he never really recaptured that. I don't mean you know, the hype and all of the special whoop de doo covers and the crazy-go-nuts sales and stuff that that were going on, and the, ge- the guest appearances on Entertainment Tonight. I don't mean that stuff. I mean, as a story, Doomsday could have done anything. Gone anywhere. Funeral for a Friend could have done anything. Gone anywhere. Reign of the Superman, gone anywhere, you know? And the sky was the limit with all of those stories, and I don't think that was necessarily the case with a lot of the post-Reign of the Superman stories, you know? And so, as a result, you know, especially when you start getting into just some of the weird, just fucking stupid things that, that, that happened with Superman, one of the things that I started thinking to myself was, you know, guys, maybe Superman really did die in Superman number 75 and maybe the Superman line of titles really did end with Superman number 77 and maybe maybe Superman never came back from the dead maybe he died stayed dead and that was the end of his story thus headcanon trademark Emily Middleton you know I kind of liked the idea of Superman checking out on a high note you know and I don't regard Millennium Giants as a high note. I don't regard the abortion that is Stephen T. Siegel's run a high note. You know? I mean, yeah, there were some there were some good stories that that, that came out. I would never say otherwise. Greg Rucker, I'm looking pretty much right at you. And yes, I'm also one of the guys in the room that really enjoys Chuck Austin's run on action comics. I think that's a fun run stuff like that really is the exception that proves the rule, you know? And by and large, a lot of stuff that happened with Superman after he came back from the dead, I don't really think that's really worthy of him, you know? I mean, look, I would put that entire stretch of Superman comics from 1986 up through Superman number 77, the end of Funeral for a Friend, From Man of Steel number one to Superman number 77, I would put that stretch of comics up against anything. Anything that Superman has ever done, any time in his publication history before or since. I'd put it up against anything. Because there was so much creativity, there was so much imagination to it, you know? And this was imagination that I don't think was necessarily replicated in the aftermath of Reign of the Superman. And to be fair to everybody concerned, Look, comics were basically just trying to stay in business in the mid to late 90s, and so it was easy for me to think that, you know what, maybe some marketing dipshit got uh, got a hold of Mike Carlin and said, "Hey, look, you guys were doing great with that whole Doomsday thing. Give us another one of those. We need another one of those because, uh, you know, uh, the the we need to keep the lights on is pretty much what it comes down to. So give us another, give us another Doomsday or something, you know, and." You know you can only really tell a story like that once and then that's it and so being as you can only tell it once I'm really glad that it was Jerry Ordway John Bogdano, Dan Jurgens I'm glad that it was Tom Grummet I'm glad that it was Louise Simonson in some ways I'm kind of glad that it was Louise Simonson I'm I'm glad that it was Roger Stern that got to tell that story because if that because like I say that's a story you can only do once and as it's a story that you can only do once they are the only people that I would ever trust with that story, you know even Elliot S. Magan even Carrie Bates wouldn't have given us Doomsday, Funeral for a Friend and Reign of the Superman I love Carrie Bates, I love Elliot S. Magan but I'm not so stupid as to think that they would have ever gone the directions that the the 90's creative team did you know and so, anyway All I'm saying is that the aftermath of Doomsday as a storyline and as an event doesn't really live up to Doomsday itself. And I kind of like the idea of Superman checking out on a high note, you know? That works for me. So, (sighs) anyway, 25 years, years to 25 more.